most of us were not rich, but we had, we were a community. And I always say, with us, there was definitely this thing about your child is my child. To us in District 6, there were no color. District 6 was one happy community. Even the gangsters were respectful. We're happy we're back. Yes, that's important to us. The gathering places, there isn't, where people can gather. There's nothing. It's cold. It's a cold area. We have to create something. And this group of people, and myself, and a little handful of people, we're trying to recreate what there was. That report from Eyewitness News when they visited District 6 during the 50th anniversary of a decision taken by the apartheid regime to declare the area um, whites only. In talking about District 6 as an example of other stories that exist throughout the country, whether it be uh, Sophia Town or it be Ndabeni, whichever part of the country where there has been force, uh, forced removals. We've got in studio Bonita Bennett, who is the director of the District 6 Museum. Um, Bonita has also worked as uh, in the research and archival section of the museum since 2001. Also, Victorine Gilbert, who grew up on 17 Sterling Street in District 6, and Joe Scaffers, who is currently a storyteller at the Museum and a former resident of District 6 himself. Welcome to Confronting Racism. Thank you very much for making time and for the stories that you're going to be sharing with us. Thank well, you. Good thanks, I think if we could start with you, Bonita, the, the, the importance of what the 50th anniversary of uh, that day, that decision that was taken, what it meant and, and how it was commemorated by the museum. Mm. I think we've spent a long time trying to figure out what the significance was um, because in this work of memory and looking back at the past, one is always confronted with the challenge of are we actually re-traumatizing people by reminding them of what they went through because you, because many of the people, or well not many, but there are quite a number of people who are still alive who were forcibly removed. The, the actual dispossessed, not only the children and grandchildren, but the actual dispossessed, the ones who face that humiliation and the, the you know, of that displacement as well. Mm. And I think the significance for us, I mean, we've concluded in through our research and conversations is that the past really does matter. It's still with us. It's whether you, you we're living with it, whether it's historically in what happened in the past or even biologically under in our DNA. And I think a lot of what we've concluded is that the way people's lives have been formed since that act of forced removals, mm. they are living with that impact. Some people have never recovered from people who say, my mother died of a broken heart. Mm. In whatever way we want to understand that, mm. it happened and it's real. And mm. much as one wants to contest that, you, how do you die of a broken heart? Yeah. And I think at the time, the whole theory uh, the whole notion of depression and post-traumatic stress disorder was very much under-theorized at the time. But if you look at it now, mm -hmm. I mean, we understand mm -hmm. the impact of trauma. We understand the impact of depression that you can, in some way, actually die of a broken heart. The, the point of confronting racism as a series has got to do with, as South Africans, being able to walk a journey. And part of walking the journey requires us to to be able to listen and to be able to take into account something that I feel is very important, which is people's lived experiences. And in focusing on District 6 as an example, it's really about 
understanding what people have actually lived. Victorine Gilbert grew up at 17 Sterling Street with her parents and her sisters, went to school in the area, schools that still exist today, Trafalgar Junior and, and Harold Cressy. Auntie Victorine, what, what do you remember about District 6? Well, um, growing up in District 6 as a, as a child, um, we, I remember that um, you could enjoy being a child because we had the park where we could play in and the community's children would all meet there and congregate there and play happily there. Today, you know, you can't leave children alone in a park. Mm. There are things that happen to them. They get abducted or other things happen to them. But just knowing that we could play safely in the park and also we could play games. Mm. We enjoyed playing games um, and our parents would watch us while playing the games like dodgeball, mm-hmm. kenneke and hide and seek and lots and, and netball and those kind of things. Yeah. Hopscotch, you name it. We're going to come back to the, the experience of District 6 itself because I think it's important that it is not uh, a, a an imaginary um, place yeah. because it's it's a real place. Yeah. Um, you go to District Six now; it's flat. You you don't you can't imagine that there was a community that existed there. Joe Scaffers is a storyteller at the museum at District Six Museum. Um, I've got other confessions of uh, a past <laughs> life that I have with <laughs> Uncle Joe <laughs> at a certain time. What was the difference between? what you lived and where you moved to. Where you lived before, you were in walking distance, a place of work, your schools, your churches, your recreation areas, and your shops. Suddenly you're uprooted, you're thrown that far away from the city, but your salaries don't increase, but your financial burdens increased. And then the areas where you're thrown, there's no shops. And you have to then travel to walk through different areas to get to those shops that were there. Then it became dangerous because you didn't know the area. So people were loath not to go. So what you used to do, you used to go to work in the morning. Because you were so far away from the city, so half past five, six o'clock, you're standing at your bus stops, at your taxi stations, at your train stations, getting the, tra- the, the, the transport, coming back in the evening, after six, now carrying your carrier bags <coughs> with your meat, your veggies, your groceries, because if you haven't got that, you haven't got it because you're not going to get another shop in those areas. And when you get home, the minute you put your bags down, that's when the work at home starts feeding, washing, ironing, cleaning, seeing to the kids. Mm. What time do you get into bed? And there's no recreational facilities. You might find a little community center or a little church hall. But other than that, if you want recreation, you must go out of the township. And if you haven't got your own transport, you're not going to go out because it's too risky coming back. And that, of course, is where gangsterism, your drugs, your prostitution, Everything goes, development started like a children drop out of school. They em- try and emulate their gangster um, role models. So more problems because kids come out of school in the afternoon, sometimes both parents are working. What do they do? Devil finds work for idle hands to do. Kids gather on street corners, on fields, form little groups, form gangs, more gangs exploding. There were gangs in District 6, and I can name a couple. Mm. Globe gangs, yes gangs, skullbusters, hungry hills, dynamite kids, kids, fancy boys, bun boys, starlocks. But these were people who respected, they might fight each other, but they respected the people, they respected the elderly in the area. There is this yearning for people to go back. And we know that 
it does not exist as it used to. It's not there. Mm. Let's let's say that. And and it was in 2004 on the 11th of February, uh, 38 years since the rezoning that former president Nelson Mandela handed keys to the first uh, residence, um, Ibrahim Murat and Dan and Zabela. In many other instances, in many other examples, people speak of, I hope to die there, or I hope at least that my children are able to go back there, even if I'm not able to go back there. Can one at all fill the void, or what would returning to District 6 represent for a person. Kaketso, it takes at least 30 to 40 years minimum to start building up a community where people start getting to know each other, whether it's intergenerational, the people start learning to know each other. And you will find this happening in the townships now. And people say, yes, but so many people left. Why are not such a lot of little people coming back? Because that is where they've now recreated. They've got yeah. their own communities that yeah. they've built up. Yeah. And if you're going to back, you have to start virtually from scratch again coming into the area. So that is another little problem that we've got to be contending with. Because you also, it's, it's very <laughs> twisted because in, in coming back, you are removing yourself from an existing community. You're removing yourself from, from the life that you know. You're removing yourself. It's almost, you're doing it again. Yes. It's a cycle, Auntie Victorine. Yes. I had a little poem mm. that I'd written about what you said, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, us being under the mountain, mm. you know. Yeah. Could I just read go, it go shortly? Go ahead, please, please, please. <clears throat> Looking back over the years, I find myself in tears. We lived in a place called District 6, where children played in the street. Dodgeball, blickies high and low. There was always somewhere to go. Biscope or a dance or a church. Your friends were there for support. All this happened in the shadow of Table Mountain. Yes, in the shadow of Table Mountain. We are the shadows of Table Mountain. <sighs> is, is, there, is there an understanding? I'm going to come back to you, Mr. Scaffers. Is there, is there an understanding what it means, and I mean this to uh, direct this at or the understanding from, from young people, from, from people who have got no clue about District 6, and people who might even find it odd, why would you want to go there because this is home? Is there an, an understanding about that shadow of Table Mountain being that shadow of Table Mountain? You know, I, I really could quite honestly say that there is no understanding like that where they are living at the moment. So remember that even in the townships now, you see how far away that township is from Table Mountain. Mm. And you think to yourself, how many of these kids have ever been just to the slopes of Table Mountain? They wouldn't know what experience that is. They have to have field trips just to bring them in. Mm. And I think we should actually reverse the other way around also where you should have field trips for those people who are living in the leafier areas to bring them out to the areas that we were placed. And then they can start looking at the damages that were done to people, per se. 
taking them out of their little closeted areas and bringing them to areas that they perceive to be extremely dangerous and all this, that they don't have this. I'm going to read a poem and uh, allow you, Bonita, to have the last word. Um, uh, a poet by the name of Tatum Kula Africa. Mm. Yep. Uh, the poem is called Nothing's Changed. Mm-hmm. And um, in it he says, Small round hard stones click under my heels, seeding grasses thrust, bearded seeds into trouser cuffs, cans, trodden on, crunch in tall, purple flowering, amiable weeds. District 6, no board says it is, but my feet know, my hands and my hands, and the skin about my bones and the soft laboring of my lungs and the hot white inward turning anger of my eyes. Brash with glass, name flaring like a flag, it squats in the grass and weeds, incipient Port Jackson trees, new upmarket, haute cuisine, guard at the gatepost, whites only in, no sign says it is, but we know where we belong. I press my nose on the clear plains, no, before I see them there will be crushed ice, white glass, linen falls, the sing rose. Down the road, working man's cafe sells bunny chows. Take it with you, eat um, it in a plastics tabletop. Wipe your fingers on your jeans, spit a little on the floor. It is in the bone. I back from the glass, boy again, leaving small men, oh, of small mean mouth. Hands burn for a stone, a bomb, to shiver down the glass. Nothing's changed. And one would have sworn that he'd written this poem today or yesterday. And Mm -hmm. it's quite a number of years. And I think, I mean, you look at the landscape and you still get that feeling. But Mm. I just want to say something about one line that caught my attention amongst (coughs) everything else was that we know where we belong. Mm. And for me, if if you'd ask me what my dream is in terms of what the museum does and just the dream Mm. for our South African future is about breaking down those barriers, particularly of our young people in the townships of, you don't belong mm. in Manenberg or Langan, Google mm. you belong as a citizen of this country. Because mm. I think apartheid is really, besides the, the physical movement, it's really damaged the imagination of mm. people as well and the creativity. There is an alternative way of being mm. and a different community that can exist. Because young people, I mean, I'm just using young people as an example, because I'm sure it's not only young people, but they've got gotten so used to limited standards and the expectations of what a community is are so limited. So to them, a community is a place where, gosh, I'm lucky I didn't get shot by a bullet on my way to school this morning. Mm. Or, I mean, I was listening to someone telling her neighbor the other day about, you know what games kids are playing in the township? You know, before kids play doctor, doctor, yeah. and they play all kinds of things. There were kids who were playing drug dealer, drug dealer. And they were taking bags what? of sand. Yes. And they were exchanging it and doing, they reenacting that. So that was so shocking for me. So in terms of the alternatives, there is a way of being in a community that you can contribute. I mean, uh, we work with groups of young people, and it's quite small, and I wish we could scale it up. They're small groups of young people. But they are so inspired by the time they've gone through a program where they understand how to do an oral history how to deal with people respectfully and ethically. How do you take a photograph and turn that into an exhibition? How do you use words and so on? Because they'd never imagined that they can contribute anything meaningful to their community. 
That is how we wrap it, confronting racism as we look at the history of District 6 as an example of other communities, similar communities throughout the country. Bonita Bennett, thank you very much. Your scaff is appreciated. And Victorine Gilbert.